0: This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Revelation chapter number three um, and verse number fourteen, and I'm choosing to read from the NLT on this particular scripture. Uh, I think you'll find it really wonderful in your King James version as well because they're really partnered together good. Here we go in verse 14. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen. The amen meaning the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. Verse 15. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold, I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich, also buy white garments from me, so you will not be shamed by your nakedness, and anoint for your an rather for your eyes, so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Back up in verse number 15 and 16. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot or cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. This morning, I want to start a real short, just a, a, a short three-week little series,
1: little summer series that I feel very strong about. And it's a little
0: bit heavier, if you will, than some of the series that, that we do. Uh, but this Sunday, I want to start this thing out, and I'm calling it It's All or Nothing. It's all Or nothing. And I want to start out telling you a little story about a missionary. The gentleman's name was A.W. Milne. He set out to the Vanuatu area of which we've had relationships with churches throughout those Solomon Islands areas for years. But this was about a century ago that this missionary set out to the new hybrids area of those islands just north of Vanuatu. And he did something quite interesting. He literally purchased a one-way ticket by ship. He was a one-way missionary because he knew that he was not coming back. Instead of packing a suitcase to travel To return there at home, he actually purchased, not to be too uh, doom and gloom with this, but to show you the faith of a man, he actually purchased a coffin and he put all of his earthly possessions in the coffin and, and released his goods to the care of his family and said, I do not fear my life for where I'm going in the mission field because I've already died to myself. The reason this is so critical is because the, the word, the rumor, the truth of these particular islands that he was going to reach the lost at had martyred every missionary that had traveled there before. So A.W. Milne literally set out Determined that he would either be giving his life to martyrdom or he would be giving his life, reaching the lost, and his future was still unknown how it would all go down. But he set sail, and for 35 years, this missionary served the community, the tribe that he was trying to reach. And he began to do life with them. For 35 years, Bobby Johnson, he served them, loved them with the hands, the feet, the heart of Jesus Christ. And love always wins. Love works. And the love of God started to soften the hearts of these islanders. And they received him into their own. And he lived for 35 years in their village. And when he died, the islanders put on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. Because he was fully committed, he was fully devoted. It was all or nothing for this missionary. And this is really my prayer over the next few Sundays with us as a church that we will spend the middle of this hot summer just before another school year will kick off in a few weeks. I pray that we will end this month with great efforts of committing ourselves, of dedicating ourselves all over again to the love of God, to the work of God, to the, to the wonderful ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen this morning? It's interesting how life works. Uh, we're gonna be having a baby dedication service in the next few weeks, and if you think about it, when we were all born into this world, man, the world revolved around us as babies, didn't it? We were spoon-fed in the, on the front end, and we were diaper-changed on the back end, and... <laughs> Come on, somebody. (laughs) It all revolved around us. We were the center of the universe for our mom. We were the center of the universe for our dad. The world stopped when we were born, when you were born. All of us were, we had that little heavenly light shown, uh, shining brightly from heaven upon us because it was all about us. That's okay when you're a two-month-old baby, but when you're 22 years old, we got a problem. Because by that time, we should all realize that we are not the center of the universe. Whenever we start to age, we, we, we kind of come into the realization that it's really not about us. So re- right now, just kind of break the ice in this sermon this morning. Turn to the one next to you and tell them it's not all about you. Say, it's not all about you. Why don't we just really have fun? If someone's sitting directly in front of you, tap them on the shoulder and say, it's not about you.
1: Now turn back and say, leave me alone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't touch me again. I like it being about me. But it's not about you, man. It's
1: not about me. It's not about you. This world's bigger than you. Come on, somebody say amen this morning.
0: Oftentimes, though, we get trapped in this thought that it's all about us. And what we do is we make the crucial mistake of we enthrone ourselves. We make ourselves king or queen or my lord. We make ourselves king and queens in our world, Brother Jackie Gibbs. And what we do is we focus only on our desires. Everything's about our hopes, our dreams. Everything's about our wants. It's all about us. And and we get trapped in this world of selfishness. And can I tell you that selfishness is the very core of sin. Selfishness is the very core of sinfulness. If you were to take sinfulness and split it wide open, you would find at its very core a selfish lifestyle because sin is all about feeding itself. Sin is all about the flesh. Sin is all about self-gratification. Sin is all about enthroning oneself higher than God. Are you with me this morning? So what we have to get to is this, this place of, 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 of jumping off the sin bus, jumping off the selfish bus, and taking on a complete different mindset. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. This mindset of humbling oneself and becoming a servant rather than trying to be
1: a king or a queen. Someone say amen this morning. It's interesting how this translates
0: over. What we do is we basically say to the Lord, we honor you, we love you, we appreciate what you are, but we would rather you follow us than we follow you and we sing a song around here at Calvary Church called Jesus be the center of it all. And we sing those songs like that and others similar to it. And it's just lyrics because our lifestyle is, is showing, it's portraying, it's, it's being something else. It's we're okay with God, but we want God to kind of come hang out with us rather than us submit and hang out with him. I made a a real crucial mistake uh, in my life. I spent several years in a real bad place. It wasn't so much of a dark, sinful spot as we would think sin would be. Because all of us, we have our own idea of what sin looks like, smells like, sounds like, tastes like, etc., But as I stated in our earlier prayer time, I was called to preach.
1: God put his hand on my life, and I knew it. But for some weird reason, I spent several years trying to be okay with
0: that without pursuing that. Just just let me share a little bit of what I'm trying to say about my life and and how I accidentally slipped into asking God to follow me instead of me following God. I kind of looked at my life situation um, there in southwest Louisiana. My dad had worked so hard for so long to build a great business and I was at that critical age where I, I wasn't smart enough to fully grasp everything it took to build that business, but I was old enough to grasp that if I played my cards right, I could walk right into a wonderful situation. Are you understanding what I mean by that? I knew that if I would just go to school and, and, and keep my nose clean, so to speak, and just make good choices, that, that I could literally have pretty much anything I would want uh, for someone from Beauregard Parish, which is not unbelievable dreams, but I knew that I would have a good life. I loved God the whole time. You got to catch this. I loved God the whole time. I never dipped into some weird, great, dark place of sin as we would call sin. But what I did slip into was I'm going to ask God to take this journey with me into chasing after uh, an education to follow my father's business plan, but I'm going to ask God to come along my side or even come behind me and let me chase after what I want to chase after. And what I completely did is I took the gospel and flipped it, Sister Vani, because the gospel's not about Jesus following me. It's about me following Jesus. And I slipped into this weird spot, still loving God, still going to church, still paying my tithe, still serving the Lord, but yet I just wanted him to walk with me and let me take him where I wanted to go.
1: And the mistake I made was as dark of a sin as anything you would like to put a label on. It may not have been
0: something off of a movie scene. It may not have been something from a dark underworld. But for me, I was sitting on a church pew, loving the Lord, supposedly honoring God, assuming that I had it all together, but yet he was in the back seat of my life's car while I was on the steering wheel. And I remember When I had my wake up call, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was literally three and a half years of that lifestyle until something changed. I found myself three hours north of where I grew up. I was in North Louisiana, I was in college, and I happened to be having a conversation with a pastor of a local church in North Louisiana. And I felt the conviction of God come upon me, not because of the Friday night club, because that wasn't a part of my world, not because of drugs, that wasn't a part of my world. It wasn't because of any weird, dark sin. It was just because he wasn't first in my life. And I felt this conviction come upon me, Sister Lois, and I started just spilling my heart out to a man of God. And this man of God put the finger exactly on the problem. He says, what I see is a church-going young man that loves church, but you have not put your full love into God. You love the things of church. You love to be around the church. You love to be a part of the church, but God's not first in your life.
1: You've learned how to do church. You've not learned how to follow Jesus. You've learned how to buy into the idea that Jesus saves,
0: but you've yet to sell out to flesh and self. Are you you following what I'm trying to say? And I remember, I'm telling you, I could take you just as I can take you to the place at a summer camp where I was called to preach, I can take you to North Louisiana on the very parking lot, the parking lot on a hot summer day, walking across a parking lot Whenever everything changed in my life, it was over on Traffic Street in Bossier City, Louisiana at a little Pentecostal church there where everything changed. And I fully submitted and gave in to putting him first. And when that happened, everything changed in my life. Church didn't so much change because I'd always been going to Church. Doing the churchy thing didn't, there wasn't anything different. I still did the churchy thing. But there came a peace in my heart and there came a strength within my spirit. Something broke within me And I literally, it was almost as though I got out of my life's car and I went to the back door. I opened it and I ushered Jesus Christ and sat him in the driver's seat. And I got in the back seat and I said, I think you know much more than I know. And I think you know exactly where we need to be heading. And I'm just going to sit back here, put my seatbelt on and zip my mouth for once in my life. I'm going to zip my lips and I'm just going to be a good boy and let you take me into my future. And everything changed whenever I got off the fence. Everything changed when I went from being lukewarm. Everything changed for me in my walk with God when I
1: decided to stop straddling between what I knew to do and what I wanted to do. When I made him first and I became the follower, when I became the student, when I became the child and declared him as my father, my teacher, my leader, whenever
0: I changed the way I was thinking from, hey, I've got this. Why don't you come with me, guys? Let's do something great together. <laughs> really? <laughs> let's do something great together. I want to be your partner and you be mine. And we, Let's go conquer the world. Instead of that, Brother Johnny, I changed it to, I don't really have any idea what to do. I need you to take me where I need to be. And I became a follower of Jesus Christ, even though I was a believer From childhood knee-high up, I went from being just a believer in him being my Savior to being a follower of him being my Lord.
1: Somebody say amen this morning. In the book of Matthew, chapter number
0: 19, we find this really bone-chilling story of what is called in
1: scripture, the rich young ruler. In verse number 16 of Matthew
0: chapter 19, it says someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Isn't that like all of us? We wanna know what can I do? What can I do? tell me what I can do because I'm in the doing business. I'm a doer. What can I do to have eternal life? Verse 17, (laughs) why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? (laughs) Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Which ones? <laughs> you don't mean all of them, do you? Because I, I just want to highlight a few that I can really take on and master. Which ones? And Jesus replied, well, you must not murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. You must not testify falsely. Hey, honor your father and mother. And by the way, love your neighbor as yourself. And this proud, wealthy young ruler pokes his chest out and says, I've obeyed all of those. But what else can I do? And Jesus told him, well, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor. Jesus is meddling, ain't he? (laughs) He's, he's really, Brother Bradley, he took, his, he, took his divine, he took his divine finger and touched that man right in the sore spot of his life. And he said, listen here, you say you've obeyed all the commandments and you don't have any issues in your life, but I know what your issue is. I've been with you long enough in these few moments of conversation to know exactly where your issue is. Go sell all of your possessions and give them to the poor. And then he says, and then come follow me. And this is hilarious. When the rich young ruler heard this, he went away sad because he had a lot of possessions. He dropped his head and he walked away without having a life change because he could not get hot or cold he just wanted to stay living uh mastering a few commandments but he still wanted to keep all of his stuff you know I've not met a lot of people I've not met hardly any people that have been possessed by a devil but I know a lot of people
1: that are possessed by possessions Let's rewind the tape.
0: I know a lot. I don't know a lot of people that are possessed by a devil, but I know a lot of people that are possessed by possessions. I don't know a lot of people
1: possessed by a devil, but I know a lot of people possessed by possessions. <laughs> a lot of people They don't own things. Things own them. And all the while they love God. They truly receive him
0: as their savior. They have put their faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But he's still not first in their life. Help me preach for a few minutes Lord. I need the Lord to speak through me for the next few moments in such a way that you'll see beyond a sermon and hear from the Holy Spirit today. What I'm trying to preach about by the help of God is that you can come to church and truly believe that he has saved you and be saved, but yet him not be first in your life He will not be content to walk as your partner equal to you. He will not be content to walk behind you as you lead him. He wants you hot or cold. He wants you to be all or nothing. He wants to be Lord and Savior. He wants to be in control. He wants to
1: lead you as you follow. So I ask you a question this morning Who's following who in this relationship? Who's leading who
0: in this relationship? Who's calling the shots in this relationship? Let me tell you a great, true, real life story to compare it to the rich young ruler. That, that tried to hold out on God, that, 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 that tried to prove his righteousness by keeping the commandments. Do you know that righteousness by definition literally is doing something right? But what we've done is we've stripped that definition of righteousness down to not doing anything wrong. We're righteous if we don't do anything wrong but the true meaning of righteousness is not just not doing anything wrong, it's doing something right. This guy was not doing anything wrong by keeping all the commandments, but he wasn't doing something right, Brother Glenn, by not following Jesus. You can keep commandments and still not follow Jesus. Ooh, ooh, preacher. That is strong. You can keep commandments and still not follow Jesus. The flip side of the rich young ruler, let me tell you about this. If any of y'all are are kind of interested in this, there's a real cool little website that I stumbled across that I'm going to share this little illustration with you, this little story. There's a cool website called uh, Giants for God. Giants for God. And these are true uh, businessmen and businesswomen throughout the world that have done Amazing things for the kingdom of God from their businesses, and I want to share one with you. Uh, the gentleman's name is Stanley Tam T A M. Some of you already might have heard this story before. It's it's brand new to me. Stanley Tam is he started the United States Plastic Corporation with thirty seven bucks. With thirty seven bucks. He had a little bit of his own money and then he borrowed a few bucks from his dad and it totaled out to be $37, giantsforgod.com. I see some of you got your pen out. You need to check that website out. This gentleman grew this business that he started on his own and he made the decision not to ask Jesus to follow him into his business, but he asked Jesus to lead him in his business and he did something radical. He literally got some attorneys together. After this business took off, he got some attorneys together and he signed over majority ownership of the United States Plastic Corporation to the work of God. He made God his senior partner. Signed over 51% of his company to the work of God. And over the years has given away over $120 million to the work of God through his business. He's 49% owner. And in his latter years, he even shrunk that down even more. The point being is simply this. He made the decision, unlike the rich young ruler, that said, no, I'm not good with that. I still want to call my shots. Stanley Tam made the decision, I'm good with you calling my shots because you call a lot shots better than I do. I'm going to make you my senior partner. And by law, he literally created a knock a nonprofit to do street evangelism, door to door, old school, old fashioned, knock on the door, shake a hand and give a Bible. He created a a, a nonprofit business for that and 51% of the plastic company, all the funds go to that. And over the years, it's generated $120 million worth of evangelism for the gospel. That's called going all in for God.
1: Let me close this morning with this. The word of the Lord said to the children of Israel, today consecrate yourselves for tomorrow God will do amazing things among you. Consecration always precedes God. Doing something awesome in our lives. So, what is it? What is consecration?
0: Let me tell you what it's not. Consecration is not good, faithful church attendance, consecration is not uh, always being faithful in your giving, consecration is not knowing every person's name in the church. Consecration is not always parking in the same spot, sitting on the same pew and getting your children dressed up for Sunday school. That's not consecration. So what is it then? What is God calling us to do when he says consecrate yourselves? Consecration is simply this, setting yourself apart, putting God completely first in your life, dying to yourself, putting God's ways before your ways, God's desires for your life before your own desires, taking every single need to God in prayer, as we stated earlier, rather than trying to work things out on our own. Getting in the back seat is consecration, putting God in the driver's seat, It's consecration. Doing everything you can do to humble yourself before the Lord and declare him as not just your Savior for eternity's sake, but the Lord of your life while you're here. Consecrate yourselves today, for tomorrow God will do amazing things among you. We get this a little bit backwards. We all want to do amazing things for God. We want to clap louder. We want to lift our hands longer. We want to be the first one in the church building. And God saying, those are really unbelievable attributes. But that's not what I'm wanting to do. I'm wanting to do something amazing, something supernatural, something that you cannot do on your own. But I can't do it until you make me first in your life. This morning, I want you to stand with me. I ask that our prayer partners quickly come. And I want us to go to the Lord in prayer today. It's all or nothing. Last night, have anybody ever had a real bad sleepless night before? I think we've all had those before. Hey, I'm just curious. I just just wanna have some fun. Did anybody have a real rough sleepless night last night? A few of you did? Man, I did too. I had a really rotten night sleep-wise last night. And how I struggle through my sleepless nights uh, is different than how Denora does. Denora had a sleepless night last night. And I look up and, man, she's on her iPad doing something. What I do is I just toss and turn and complain. And I'm miserable. And I'm, 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 just, I'm just like, come on. You know, I, I try to suffocate myself a few times. I just do anything possible to go to sleep. I'm not one that gets up and does something. I'm like, no, it's bedtime. I should be asleep right now. It just drives me nuts. But in my own, in my own odd way, while flipping and turning, putting the pillow over 10 different times, adjusting the sheets different ways, in my own private little way, God spoke to me in my sleeplessness last night. And I hope I can get through this next little bit with you because I honestly felt that I heard directly from God. This sermon was already prepared. I'd already had done all of my work for my sermon. And in the middle of a miserable sleepless night, God started to reveal to me a unique connection between a sermon from a few Wednesdays ago that I preached on a Wednesday night and this sermon today that I did not see any connection with at all. And God showed me that he's he's doing his best to reach a few people that are hung up with these specific things and I share them with you. And I'm so grateful that God speaks. There's some of you that have not gone completely in with God. Because every person in your life that you've gone completely all in in, with has hurt you. Has broken your trust. Has let you down. You went all in with them and they went all out. You put all your confidence in them and they broke your heart. They broke your dreams. They broke your future. Maybe it was your dad. Maybe it was your spouse. Maybe it was a job. Maybe it was a business. I don't, I don't want to try to figure this too much out because it really was the Lord speaking to me. But a few Wednesday nights ago, I dealt with this And I did not know that this sermon would tie in. And I just say unto you, in the fear of God, don't keep God at arm's length as your Lord. I know that you believe him to be your Savior. But he wants to be your Lord. And you can trust him. And you can receive him. And you can follow him because he's wanting to take you places that you've never even imagined. And if you're determined just to keep him along your side or even behind you, he's not going to leave you. But he just can't take you where he wants to take you. He cannot be all that he can be for you until you get off that little fence of trust. And dive completely into your Savior's arms and call Him your Lord. And fully release your life into His care because He loves you so much. This morning, I've tried my best not to put any expectations on myself for this sermon because I really feel I've heard from God. I'm gonna ask you, Michael, if you'll kind of take the lights down. I know we don't do that often in this first service, but I just wanna set a mood right now for somebody to have a, a moment with God. It's all or nothing with the Lord. If there's a couple here today Maybe there's a businessman here today. Or maybe there's a single parent. God's tugging at your heart. He truly is reaching for you through his lordship. I'm going to ask my wife and these wonderful faithful singers to come up. And I just want us to worship for a moment and I'm going to open up this altar the only way I know how you're at home today I don't care if this is your very first visit to this church, you're at home today and I want to explain who these people are these are just friends of mine that attend this church that desire to be your friend too and all they want to do is pray with you about any desire in your life for God to do a work in your and as this song is being sung, I would love for you to take a chance on Jesus all again. You might be taking a chance on him to save you, but I have a feeling in this service there's some that need to take a chance on him to be your Lord. This altar's open as we sing. I pray that you respond.